you know, we set goals and we forget them. Set and forget is the single most dangerous thing we can do. And OKRs gives you this rhythm that reminds you over and over again that in the chaos, and we know about chaos right now with the pandemic, in all this crazy, crazy, you can actually uh, still do the thing that really matters to you. It doesn't get lost in the wash. I'm Chris Ronzio. Welcome to Organize Chaos. What's up, everybody? I'm Chris Ronzio, founder and CEO of Trainual. And as always, we're taking pages from other leaders' playbooks so you can put them in yours. As you heard in the intro today, we're talking with Christina Woodkey. Christina wrote a book that's called Radical Focus, and it's all about OKRs, objectives and key results. So we're going to be digging in to the strategic accountability for your company and how you can do better goal setting. Christina's helped grow numerous companies in Silicon Valley like LinkedIn and Yahoo, Zynga, and then the New York Times. And through that, she's learned a lot about this management system called OKRs. She wrote this book, Radical Focus, and she's also wrote a couple others, The Team That Managed Itself and Pencil Me In, and she teaches over at Stanford. So what I loved about this episode is that we get really tactical about how you can start OKRs for the first time, what makes a good objective from a bad objective, how you can have key results that are actually measurable and quantitative, and then how to build this into the culture of your company so that you're not just setting goals and forgetting about them. So take a listen. You'll learn a lot about her version of goal setting that a ton of companies are starting to adopt like Trainual. Enjoy. I'm your host, Chris Ronzio. And as you heard in the intro today, we're talking with Christina Woodkey. Hey, Christina. Hi. Thanks so much for being here. Thank you so much for inviting me. This is awesome. So where are you calling from? Everybody's somewhere different these days, a remote world. Where are you today? I'm in Palo Alto, still locked in my condo. So, <laughs> Not a bad place to be locked up. I love Palo Alto. Oh, yeah. It's really pretty now. We actually do get trees that change leaves, but it's just still warm enough. The high is going to be 55. So not that. It still feels like, you know, Christmas is coming. Yeah, fall, Christmas vibe, but still beautiful like California should be. All right. So you've been at some amazing companies. And if anyone finds you on LinkedIn, they'll see top, you know, huge brands like um, Link, like uh, Zynga and LinkedIn and MySpace and Yahoo. And so from all that different experience and different roles, how did you become this worldwide OKR expert? <laughs> Gosh. Um, well, it really came out of being at, at Zynga. You know, everybody knows that John Doerr was the individual who brought OKRs to the Valley and we were a John Doerr company. And what's really interesting is uh, we Zynga did it a bit differently than Google did it and other folks did it. Um, so because I was there very early on using OKRs, uh, when I quit Zynga, I started consulting with some startups, trying to figure out what I was going to do next. And they just, needed OKR so badly. They were all over the place, every shiny object going by. So um, I started, you know, bringing OKRs to these startups. And then I realized that maybe I should write a book to get better reach because the OKRs really helped a lot of folks. So they had evolved a bit, quite a bit from the original John Doerr and they've been battle tested, I suppose. <laughs> 
So yeah, so now field tested, battle tested, and your book, Radical Focus, has become, I think, one of the most popular books. And for anyone that's listening, check this out. Again, Radical Focus, Achieving Your Most Important Goals with Objectives and Key Results. It is a cool style because it tells a story. It's not just a textbook, right? It tells the story of a business, a startup that's growing. And so I want to hone in on, on this idea of OKRs because so many businesses are at this point in the year where they're trying to plan for what they're going to do in 2021. So for anyone that's just listening and has maybe only heard surface level what a OKR is, can you give us the introductory overview? Absolutely. So it is an acronym and I think sometimes we get a little sloppy going, our OKR is this, OKR is that. It's objective and key results. So the objective is very inspiring language. It's like um, a mission statement for three months. And that's really there to motivate the people who um, are very mission driven. And then the key results are numbers that will change in the world if we accomplish our mission. So that's for the people who are really quantitative. And so by having qualitative and quantitative goals put together into a package, then we create a space for people to figure out how are we gonna do this? You know, They can change up their tactics. Uh, they can use a pipeline of a bunch of different hypotheses of things they can do to reach the objective. And it really empowers um, a lot of teams. Um, Marty Kagan and I have been chatting back and forth about this, this movement that seems to be going on, um, which is empowering teams to make their own decisions, just setting the goals and saying, y'all can figure out how to get there from here. And I'm very excited by this. So we just recently started using OKRs at Trainual. And before that, we did some form of goal setting. So for anybody else that's doing goal setting, how would you say that this OKR system is an upgrade? Yeah, it's funny because people, the common question is, how is it different from a SMART goal? Or how is it different from KPIs? I kind of joke that it's like KPIs with a soul. Um, but I think um, a lot of people think about goal setting, but they don't think about goal achieving. So with OKRs, we have, again, this, this motivational goal with real numbers like a SMART, but then we have the rituals and the rituals are what really, really makes OKRs work. We have the Monday morning, what are we all gonna do towards our OKRs? We have the Friday afternoon, let's celebrate our progress. And uh, it's even built into status emails. And you know, we set goals and we forget them. Set and forget is the single most dangerous thing we can do. And OKRs gives you this rhythm that reminds you over and over again that in the chaos, and we know about chaos right now with the pandemic, in all this crazy, crazy, you can actually uh, still do the thing that really matters to you. It doesn't get lost in the wash. I love that. So there's an accountability layer to it that just keeps it part of the day to day. So it doesn't just get set and forget. I love that. Yep. Now, as you're starting to create these for your company, if someone's going through this the first time, how do you bubble these up? Like, how do you involve the team and figure out what your what your top OKR should be? Yeah, I mean, um, I've seen OKRs begun over and over and over again in different companies, trying them for the first time. And with larger companies, I usually say, take one of your strongest teams and introduce them to the concept of OKRs. Uh, you can give them my book, obviously. I would recommend it because I like to eat and pay my mortgage and all that good stuff. But, uh, you know, uh, and then have that team figure out how it's going to work for them. And you, the impulse is often to give OKRs to a, a struggling team, hoping it will fix them. But that will 
often cause OKRs to get messed up and then nobody wants to do them. So just this one pilot, strong team, and then they'll figure out what has to be changed for our culture. Like if you're highly, highly data-driven, then the OKR becomes sort of a cover sheet, a big overview over all your data. If you're a small company that's you know very young and moving fast, the OKRs remind you of what you're trying to do with your company and you just use the Foursquare. So um, it really depends. I th I've seen companies succeed when the execs start it. Um, and do it by themselves as well, which is interesting, you know, uh, dog fooding. And it kind of gives the uh, rest of the company a chance to see that the execs are committed. So those are uh, a couple of ways, either a pilot group or the exec start, but don't, ha don't, 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 don't have everybody do it all at once. That just, just ends badly. It ends so badly. I've got people who call me up and go, Christina, we started with OKRs and everybody hates it. What are we going to do? How are we going to get it going? And uh, that's hard. That's really hard. Yeah, so don't do it all at once. I think that's a great, great lesson. So we started doing it with just our executive team in Q4 of this year. And we went for three months before anybody else heard the phrase OKR. And then we introduced it to everybody and said, just so you know, we're testing this thing out. But I think it's a great idea to just pilot it. Um, you mentioned giving the book to whoever the strong team is. So I'm going to say to anybody that's listening right now, tweet this, post it on Instagram, do anything on social media and do at Chris Ronzio, at Trainual. And if you want to uh, you know, just share this episode, I'll send you a copy of the book. I'll buy the book and send it to you. So ah. we'll at least give you another, another one royalty, Christina. <laughs> Thank you. That's awesome. Um, yeah, I think, uh, I think what's been really surprising to me too is how many individuals um, are also adopting it for their life. And uh, I think that's, I, in companies, it's terrible to have individual OKRs. It's too much micromanagement. It's too low level. But for individuals, um, and I bring this up because you mentioned accountability. Um, I've seen a lot of people build these little OKR groups where they read the book and then they use it to keep their personal life on track. And they, instead of sending um, the status email to your boss, you send it to your, you know, two friends and that works for accountability. And I love that you say accountability because I think that is really what makes it work. Um, I'm part of a little accountability group as well with a couple of uh, female exec friends of mine. And it's so funny. One of them is hardcore into process. She's all getting things done. Like every OKR, the progress is like 80% complete, 60% complete. And then the other friend is just like, ah, I don't know. I mean, I, 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 maybe I should be a coach or maybe I should do this instead. And her, her OKRs are, are kind of messy. But over the last two years, She's gone from um, working internally to being a consultant to actually being um, a process coach. And she's got clients and she's happy. And that's, that's the magic of accountability and the rhythm. And so I, I try to tell people, don't get crazy trying to make the perfect OKR. Yeah. The important part is really that, that weekly ritual, that weekly retrospective. So you don't forget that this was something that mattered to you. It's such a great point. So don't get fixated on the specific OKR. You can always change your mind, but the, the accountability, the check-ins make it so that you are making progress in some direction, even if yeah. it's not in the original direction. So can you give us, I guess, an example of what would be a, a really good objective versus a bad objective if we're trying to craft one of these? Yeah, and I, w I just want to clarify, it's um, the wordsmithing I worry about. You probably shouldn't be changing your OKR unless something major happened, but don't get really, f I, I used to do rational um, 
rational rows, I think. God, it was so long ago. And people get really caught up in the wordsmithing and um, that will hold you back. So a really good um, uh, objective, again, it needs to inspire you. Like when you wake up in the morning and you hear that alarm and you're going to go to work, are you like, yeah, I'm going to change the world today? Or are you like, snooze, snooze, snooze? So um, a little inspiration into the language of that, right? So a great objective could be, um, you know, delight our customers with the perfect uh, microphone um, at the price they can afford or, you know, just something um, joyful, you know, we're going to delight people, we're going to own a market. Um, and again, this is cultural. Some cultures are very, you know, boom, 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 very aggressive, and some are more nurturing. Yeah. But that objective should inspire you. And then the key results should never, ever be tasks. They have to be results. And this is the one thing everybody messes up, and it actually mm. is important to get this piece right, is what do you want to change in the world? So what number is going to go up? So you don't want to put a, a key result that is like, uh, write in my blog every day. You know, you could write in your blog every day and no numbers would change. It's it's just a hypothesis of what might be better. So you want your key results to be, um, I have 20,000 followers or uh, I'm number one in Amazon's bestseller list for business or, uh, you know, I have 20 new clients. Those are all good ones because you can take multiple approaches to get there. And it okay. gives that team the flexibility they need. And they give you the flexibility if you're doing it for your own personal use. Okay. I, I want to dig into this because I think you said it, this is where people mess it up. And even in our own business, we've created key results that almost feel like projects or mini projects, you know? And so you get the, in this space where are you creating a list of tasks? So is it a list of projects? And so what you're saying, it sounds like is that the key results are really measurements, they're numbers. And then is it that there are projects or tasks that are attached to those or how, where is the, where is the attachment? Um, yeah, so I, I encourage people, and this might be just semantics, but to move away from road, roadmaps to moving to pipelines. Okay. So if you think about it, you've got this objective, um, which is uh, being the biggest process podcast on Apple Store, or whatever, right? You know, and um, what would that look like? Like, how would you know you were the best? Would it be how many subscribers you have? Would it be your star rating? Would it be like, what are those things that would say, oh yeah, you're the best, you put it up, right? And those are your key results. Now, how the heck are you gonna get there? So you start brainstorming how many things you could do, you know, um, the quality of your guests, the quality of your microphone, I have no idea. So you put them down and you go through them and you say, okay, how hard is this to do, right? Effort um, and confidence. How sure am I that you're actually going to be able to, this will move things, right? Oh, there's a third one. I'm trying to remember. Let's see. Confidence. Uh, oh, impact. That's the third one. How much will it move it? Okay. Confidence, impact, and um, an effort. And those, and you can rate all of those. So if something really easy to do, and you don't, you're not sure it's going to make a difference, and it'll only make a small bit of difference. Maybe you don't want to do it, even though it's easy, because that's that's the instinct, right? The low hanging fruit. We tend to do those first. Yeah. But if it's not going to have an impact, you don't want to do it. So you've got your OKRs here, you've got your pipeline here, and you can check them across from one to the other, put them next to each other. Um, and the pipeline evaluation can usually be done by a good product manager, um, but it could be done by an exec as well if you wanted. Um, I think that 
having that pipeline is critical because when something's not working, you can pull it and switch. The result, you know what the results are that you want, but you can swap out your efforts. Makes sense. So it's not about the task or the project because those could change. It's about the result that you're trying to get to and you need to be flexible on the activities. Absolutely. Like, let's say you're tweeting every day, you know, 20 times a day about it and a month goes by and you don't have more subscribers. Well, that's an effort that probably should go away. And that's so you can switch those tactics out when you need to. Okay. Makes sense. So one of the other roadblocks we ran into as we were crafting our own OKRs is everyone around the the leadership team was not necessarily tied to one of the key results. And so I'm sure you've seen this too, but how do you enroll the, the whole team or the whole company if they don't feel like they're connected to the specific results that the company prioritized? Yeah, it's, um, it's that's a very common problem and it's not in the first edition and one of the reasons the second edition is so important but when you have a larger company you have different types of efforts um and i love the old boston consulting group matrix of stars question marks dogs and cows i don't know if you know that one so if your market is growing like a bunch of people are starting to hit um you know old age boomers are getting older so that's a market that's growing, right? Yeah. And then you have how much you're in that market. Like how many of these older boomers are you reaching, right? Um, and so then you can go ahead and say, well, if the market's not growing, but we have a really good market share, we can just milk that. That's kind of a cow, right? If, um, if the market's growing and the market share is growing, that's a star. You want to double down. You want to put some OKRs on that. You want to find out where the ceiling is on that one, right? Hmm. Um, then you have this growing market and you have nothing in it. Well, that's a question mark. And that's where you can put in sort of an exploratory OKR. You can pull out a small group of people to explore this market and figure out if there's a there there. Um, And then the thing about both cash cows and dogs is you need just straight up KPIs. You just need to measure because there's going to be a point where you need to put that dog to sleep. I'm sorry to say my dog is actually literally asleep and snoring like crazy. I can't believe she's <laughs> not can't listening. Hear her. Your dog's not listening. <laughs> no, the dog, I, we're, we can talk about the dogs that way. So once you start seeing this sort of explore, exploit, um, expand, exit, four square, and I wish I could give you a picture. I could probably mail it. You can put it in the show notes if you want. Um, <laughs> that sounds great. Then you can really think about um, okay, we need this group to have classic OKRs, but you know what? Uh, the design group is only four people. They they don't have any extra time. All the stuff they do is working on the company. They should not have their own OKRs. And then we have people that are either even farther away from that core effort, such as let's take legal. Legal is always one of my favorites. Okay, so they see the company's OKRs and they never, they're never part of the company's goals. They're just there to keep us safe, keep us from being sued. So most of the time they should have uh, health metrics and health metrics are just, you know, uh, the level of customer satisfaction, perhaps, uh, you know, percentage of cases, one, whatever you want to measure. Yeah. And you just want to see if it goes down and it, or if you think it could go up. So maybe that legal team, everybody's resenting them because you're like, man, you always rain on my parade. I got this cool thing I want to launch. And you're like, you're saying Facebook's going to sue us. So maybe the legal team says, well, we have to help people understand why this is dangerous, but 
not not make their decisions for them. So we're going to work on customer support. Let's do OKRs just this quarter to really nail customer support to build that muscle. And then they might go back to business as usual KPIs once they're gone because they don't need to grow. Okay, so your business as usual activities or support departments or administrative functions may just have health metrics or some kind of KPI that shows if they're doing the the job as well as it should be done, right? But yeah. then the OKRs would be particularly used for departments that you're trying to affect a change. Absolutely. They're all about pushing and growing and uh, got it. And and you know the thing is with the pandemic, I keep thinking about this a lot because it changed for some for Zoom. Heck, all of a sudden they were being turbo charged, and for other people, of course, suddenly their market disappeared. Like restaurants, it's been heartbreaking, and that's the place where it helps a lot if you have um, if you remember your strategy. So with the restaurants, you can be complacent and just serve people who come inside. Or you could be thinking about things like, say, Thomas Keller's little bread fat, you know, business. That's been going really well, and I don't think anybody's eating at the French Laundry right now, but they are buying the bread at the farmer's market, and there's something to keep the company going. So as you start developing um, a portfolio of your products, you're balancing out what's appropriate now, but you're, you're setting aside a little bit for strategy because you never know. You never know. Yeah. Okay. So, so with the restaurant example, a good objective might be to launch a delivery service or something that didn't exist before. And a key result might be the percentage of revenue derived from that service. Is that, am I thinking about that right? You are so thinking about it right. And after that, it's only, um, it's only wordsmithing. Like you might say, um, deepen our fabulous relationship with our customers by providing a delivery service or, um, you know, make the, the the wonderful experience of our bread be an everyday experience, you know, something like that. Just something to get your juices flowing. Got it. And then it is, it's revenue, right? It's acquisition, yeah. it's uh, conversion. Those are my three favorite metrics. I feel like they're the holy trinity, right? Acquisition, <laughs> conversion, and uh, revenue. And uh, those make really good um, key results. And you know what? You can put in another key result, which is about customer satisfaction, so that when people are going crazy after revenue, they're not cheating or doing bad things to right. customers, you know, let your key results balance each other a little bit. So they won't sacrifice one area to meet the goal on the other side. So I, and it's, imp- it's so interesting how important the wordsmithing is. So thank you for calling that out a couple of times. Um, as we start to wrap up here, I'm, I, I want to touch back on the accountability element. So as you institute these and you roll the OKRs out for departments or teams or the company, how do you make sure that it's ingrained in the daily or weekly schedule? How often do you check in and report on these? And do you report on all of them or only the ones that are in jeopardy? So um, basically, it depends on you know the group and the group size. But you have this little Monday meeting where you're saying, um, here's my confidence about the OKRs and it's dropped or it's staying the same. If it's staying the same, you don't need to talk about it, but if it's dropped then you know, everybody should be brainstorming, what are we going to do? And if it's growing like crazy, yay team. Um, you look at the health metrics and you say, okay, is, are we in a steady state? And if it's, uh, you can call it code red and stop working on OKRs if one of your health metrics has gone downhill. So let's say you're used to having, um, you know, a, a DAU of 150,000 and one day it's 60,000 and you're like, 
what? You might call a code red until you figure out what happened. Is, was it the customers? Is it a bug? Did something crash? Um, and, that, and then you have these list of code reds, which then when you're at the end of the quarter and you're saying, why didn't we make our OKRs? We can say things like, well, our code is made of limp spaghetti and maybe we should make, <laughs> make change that, right? Um, and then everybody says, here's the top three things. Don't list everything, just the top three things I'm doing towards my OKRs. And they can say, oh, well, why are you doing that? That We did that last year and it didn't work. So. Um, it's really uh, about having a conversation about how are we working together to meet the goals that we want. Got it. Okay, great. So uh, last question, I, I'm curious, you know, as, as individuals and teams are working towards their OKRs, is that related to performance reviews? Do you think about reviewing someone's performance as whether or not they achieve the OKR? Um, no, because what happens is the moment you connect performance review and money, and people's well-being with uh, with performance, they're going to start sandbagging. They're no longer going to set bold goals. I mean, and that's right. You know, this is this is money that puts food on the table, right? So instead, what you want to do, and um, I have a model for this in the team that manages itself, the second book I wrote after Radical Focus, where it talks about the fact that. We need to look at contributions towards OKRs if appropriate, right? Like legal's not contributing to the OKRs, sorry, legal. Um, so contribution to the OKRs could be an element, um, not whether or not you made them because making them means you're sandbagging. So it's just like, what awesome things did you do? You know, we headed for the moon and maybe we didn't make it, but now we have Velcro and Tang. Awesome, <laughs> some good came out of that. Um, and the other piece is how are they inhabiting their role and you know what it means to do a job. You've got, you know, growing your people, a certain amount of hiring, all that stuff. So you're looking at contributions to the OKR. Are you fulfilling your role? Are you growing? I strongly recommend this one. Are you growing in your knowledge? Are you growing in your skills? Setting aside time for that, investing in your employees. Um, and then some companies uh, who are using this, uh, I call it the role part, uh, the role canvas, sorry. Um, and so when you're hiring someone, you write this out. Here's what I hope they'll accomplish. Here's what I um, need them to do in their everyday life. Here's the skills I think they need to have to be good at this job. And then what you do is uh, you use it in one, your 101s. You know, you look at their weekly review and you look at your role profile and it might change. You know, they, you, there may have been a, a, something that you thought you really needed from them, but you didn't. And then at the end of the quarter, you have, you know, um, all these notes about your person and you can flip through them quickly and put it together and say, you're awesome or step it up, you know, depending on what you need. And it becomes a living document because when that person gets promoted or rage quits or whatnot, you still have this list of what that job actually was. And you don't have to do that thing where you're like, hopping around on job sites, stealing uh, write-ups of jobs. You're not even sure what you're doing. You have something that is real and really works. Well, everyone that's listening knows how passionate I am about that and keeping job descriptions aligned and training. And that's everything that we're all about. So tons of resources on our site about that. Oh, now, la last thing here, performance related. I saw in another interview, you talked about feedback coming, not just from the manager, but from teammates as well. You want to touch on that? Oh, yes. This is sort of the most advanced thing that you can do. But often um, 
Getting a team that manages itself really means that they manage each other, they support each other, they grow each other. And so uh, retrospectives are a really good baby step. I think if you do one thing, do a weekly retro and say what went well and what didn't go well. So that's the beginning of starting this learning cycle. Then we start going to more formal things, which is at the end of the quarter, we're going to evaluate, are we living up to who we think we should be? So just like with the roles and just like with the goals, the OKRs and the role profile, you set up a team um, rules of engagement. Uh, I call them norms, but rules of engagement seems to work. And this is where the team says, this is how we are going to interact with each other, right? Mm -hmm. And so uh, at the end of the quarter, you know, you can take all these things like, um, oh, what's a classic one? Um, don't yuck my yum. <laughs> a lot of my students are saying that one, which is, you know, hey, just because I really, really, really love uh, Helvetica doesn't mean that you're like, oh, it's so old. Everybody's using it. Of course you do, you designer. You know, are we, are we not yucking each other's yums? And people can say green, we're totally being respectful for, of each other's passions or red, you know, this, this guy is like, you know, we're as it, but you're still talking the team language hmm. because that's easier. It's easier to say uh, something's wrong with us than it is to say there's something wrong with me. And then the final level after you've built this up and you're having weeklies is you can give each other feedback. And I built a canvas for that. I obviously, I have a design and information design background. And so I'm very interested in how can we visualize business concepts. Um, and for that one, you basically, first you build a little empathy, you write down what you know about this person. Like, do they have a sister? They live in Cincinnati, you know, uh, little bits and pieces. Okay, now you're warm up. Now you can say, um, here's something you should start doing. Here's something you should continue doing. Here's something you could stop doing. Or you can say strengths and weaknesses. But um, that little warm up of remembering that people are human um, is really critical. And the way I like to do it is actually on the wall and everybody gets two minutes to fill out this uh, canvas and you move to the next person's, the next person. And by the time you get back to yours, you've gotten like six people's post-it notes up there telling you what you're great at and where you should grow. And I've seen people like cry because they feel seen. It's just, it's mm. very emotional. And that's why I say it's something you, you build up to. You've got to keep building the psychological trust. You can't just drop this on people because they'll lose their shit. Oh, I'm sorry. <laughs> I shouldn't. Uh, no problem. So it sounds like you, you've continued to develop these canvases and models and, and ways of thinking. You mentioned earlier you're working on a second version of your book. Any, any timeline on that? Yes. I decided that, um, well, first of all, finally, I've gotten time to start working on it again. Now the classes are done at Stanford. And so um, I want to release it on the anniversary of the first edition, which is um, February 7th, I think. Um, I just think that would be nifty. Um, so Perfect. that's what I'm looking at. So second edition of Radical Focus. Um, yeah, and if people want to learn more about the goals, roles, norms, empowered team approach, that's in Team That Manage Itself. Lots of good stuff out there. I'm, gosh, I feel, proud it's a, sometimes you, you just you're be. so busy you forget to stop and go oh wow I, I did a couple things didn't I amazing well I'm gonna have to re-listen to this whole episode because there are so many gems in here that I want to incorporate for our team so Christina I know we could talk for hours about this sort of stuff and it's impossible to squeeze all of your books and all of your blog posts and all of your Stanford lectures into a half hour interview but we did the best that we could so I want to thank you for coming on here and sharing some wisdom 
Oh, it was absolutely a pleasure. Now I'm going to spend the rest of the afternoon all energized. Thank you. And ready to work on the second edition. <laughs> Perfect. And everybody go check out her book. And like I said, if you want to tag us, tag me at Chris Ronzio and at Trainual anywhere on social media, Twitter, Facebook, LinkedIn, uh, YouTube, and uh, Instagram, I will send the first person that mentions this episode a free copy of the book. Christina, thank you again. Thank you. Bye. Hey, thanks for listening to Organize Chaos. If you like this episode, be sure to subscribe and leave a review or share it with anyone in your network that you think could use this information. If you wanna connect with me personally, please text me 480-531-8411 or connect with me anywhere on social at Chris Ronzio or you can connect with Trainual at Trainual, just like a training manual. See you next time.